Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We are talking this morning. We have lots of guests in the studio this morning. Um, we're talking primarily about um, caregiver, caregiving, excuse me. We have a, um, a published author in the studio, Michael Fortuna. He wrote the book Caregiver Defined. Um, and we have Peg Lee in studio who did the il- the beautiful illustrations for that book and we also have Carrie Davis uh, of who owns her own business Grace Life Care and she's an aging life, I'm going to get it wrong again an care aging life care professional, thank you so much. Um, we're going to take a quick uh, break from talking about caregiving because we have two other guests in studio from Marshfield High School. We have Julia and Ella who are in, uh, in the DECA program group, club, DECA club <laughs> um, and they came to join us and they have some comments prepared for us regarding um, DECA in general and regarding entrepreneurship in specific. Is that correct, ladies? Yes. Good morning. Who wants to go first? Um, I can start off. Okay, so so Julia, go ahead. DECA is really a club that kind of introduces high school students to the world of business, whether it's hospitality or finance or marketing, things like that. So the club... um, let students, we go to, they're called career development conferences where they compete in different categories doing case studies and written projects and they present them to judges and it really teaches students how to be professional, how to communicate professionally, dress professionally, act professionally, all those different things. And um, we have district competitions and then you can move on to states and even international competition. So it's a very... Um, the club has a very very big influence all over the country and even the world. There's eight oh. countries that participate in DECA, so it's a really good opportunity for students to kind of get introduced to that whole corporate and business world. Um, it's inc- uh, it's inc- you might not know it yet, but it's incredibly invaluable. I think the things that you're probably you're learning in DECA. When I was in school, I didn't know what DECA was. I don't know that it was around all those years ago, but um, I was introduced to it when I met Mrs. Stanford and. Um, I, I, and I've attended some of the competitions and you know judged some of the some of the competitions and I think some of the things we do with the Smart with Money Fair kind of align with um, the the style uh, or the things that you do in DECA and the things that you learn.
Barn, and I just I can't I, I can't even like express to you like I'm sure you know that that what you're learning and, and communicating with adults and and you know interview skills and things like that is just so incredibly invaluable. So that's awesome that you guys are um, taking part in DECA. Do, so I just have to ask you a question: Did you volunteer to do DECA, or were your parents sign up, Julia? You're doing DECA. You need this. <laughs> um, well, I actually took an introduction to marketing class with Mrs. Stanford. She was my teacher. Yeah. And she kind of talked a little bit about what DECA was, and it really sparked my interest, so I decided to try it out, <laughs> and I ended up really loving it. Is this your first year? Um, no, this is going to be my third year in the oh, club. Oh, wow. Okay. That's amazing. And what what's the most important thing that you've learned so far? Um, I think that just being able to kind of take a situation that you're given and make the best decisions based on what you think should be done is kind of a really important skill to have nice. and just to be able to be like confident in what you're going to say and things like that. Absolutely. What about you, Ella? Where um, the, the microphones are like, I can't see you in the, there you go. There you go. <laughs> this is my second year in DECA. I also took an introduction to business class last year with one of these Stanfords and I learned about it and I thought it was a really cool experience. So I decided to join and I ended up loving it. Oh, cool. And it's really taught me how to like communicate with other people, especially adults, and just give me the confidence to go into an interview or in the future, like an application for a college and just, yeah. I'll know what to say and how to say it. And it's really great. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, and you guys just had a competition this past week, right? Was it a mock competition or a, a real competition? Yeah, right. it was our mock competition for members. So it's really important, we think, for especially the first year members to kind of get them acquainted with how the competitions work and what they're going to be able or what they're going to have to do when we go to the district competition in about a month. Oh, and where's the district competition? Is that the one in Quincy? Is it always in Quincy? Um, it's been there in the past. Oh. This year it's in Falmouth. I mean, oh, okay. Falmouth, yep. Okay. And what's the most important thing you've learned so far from DECA? From DECA? Um, I'd have to say it's really given me a good idea of what I want to go into for college, which before a couple of years ago I had no idea. And now I have more of an idea that I want to go into business and maybe hospitality, which I've learned from DECA. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, I, I'll just reiterate that it's just um, like the, the communication skills that you guys are learning mm -hmm. in DECA is just huge. I mean, I've had to interview people, you know, throughout my career, you know, for employment and, and even some adults have a hard time talking about themselves and, you know, making eye contact and, um, and, and really like helping you get to know them through that interview process, which is, you know, when you're, when you're hiring someone in your business, you guys could chime in if you want, like when you're hiring someone in your business, there's no other way to get to know them other than in that interview. And if someone can't communicate to you, you know, about their personality and their experience and their qualities, there's, there's no other way to get to know them. So it's, you know, it's incredibly important throughout your life to be able to, um, you know, talk about yourself and be comfortable with that. So that's huge. Thank you. Anything else you ladies want to share? Um, so we're actually doing um, Global Entrepreneurship Week coming okay. up. It's yeah. November 18th through 24th. So it's kind of DECA's way of talking about entrepreneurship because it's not really conventional business. It's more of the creative and free side of business where it's, you know, starting your own enterprise and things like that. Um, and it's a really important part of just society entrepreneurs because they're the ones that, you know, introduce new ideas, new concepts and new trends, if you will. Um, so we think it's really important to kind of branch out from the traditional, you know, finance and marketing side of business and teach students about that. What do you think will be the most rewarding thing? If you were to be an entrepreneur and start your own business and be self-employed, what do you think would be the most, most rewarding aspect of that, of working for yourself? Um, well, you get to create your own schedule, you get to choose who you want to work with, and you get yep. to choose what you want to do. And all of the risks are on you, but also all of the um, great accomplishments, you know that you did them yourself and you can feel like you did it and no one else. Absolutely. What, what do you think will be the biggest challenges, challenge for uh, working for yourself? Um, everything, like all the risks are on you, you know, all the money, all hiring people, deciding what decisions to make. You all have to make those choices yourself usually because there's no one else. Yeah. 
Any advice for them, Carrie? You started your own business. <laughs> I did. I will tell you, too, that um, when I was in high school, I was in DECA. Oh, no way. A oh, long, long, long time ago. <laughs> very long time ago. My hair was a lot bigger then. Um, <laughs> it gives you an idea of the decade. Um, but I didn't go into business um, after high school. I went to nursing school. I became a nurse um, and was a nurse for 30 years. I still am. But I started my own practice, um, so you know now um, I have gone into business for myself. So it's really lovely to meet you both, Julia and Emma. You're very, um, very well spoken, mm-hmm. and um, I think that you'll have a bright future ahead of you. And I really do encourage you to, you know, even if, even if your, you know, college or your career takes you in another direction. You never know what that's yeah. going to bring down in the future for you. So, um, you know, I never thought that I would have the courage to start my own practice, um, but it came to me, and I'm so glad that I did because it is very rewarding. Um, there's so many things that you are in control of, um, and that's good. Um, at times, it is challenging, but I do love it. I would never go back to anything else. So, good luck to you both. Thank that's you. Good. Anything else, ladies? Um, I don't think so. Awesome. <laughs> Ella, anything? You good? Oh, no. All right. Well, well thank you yeah. so much for being here. That was Julia and Ella from Marshfield High School, and they're in the DECA program. Do I call it a club? Is it a club or yeah, program? It's a club. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> DECA. And, um, and uh, thank you so much for your comments and sharing that. And so, for any parents out there listening whose students go to Marshfield High, definitely check out um, the DECA program. It's incredibly invaluable for the students. So, thanks so much, ladies. Thank you. Enjoy thank the you rest of your us. weekend. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. You're welcome. Um, all right. So, we are going to get back to. Um, discussing uh, caregiving, because that's what we were um, chatting with before these lovely ladies from Marshfield High joined us on the air. Bye, ladies. Have a good one. Um, And so I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. And um, we are talking about um, caregiving this morning. And uh, we have uh, just really quickly in studio again, that was uh, that voice you heard a moment ago. That uh, was Carrie Davis. Um, and you can find out more about her at gracelifecare.com, correct? Yes. Um, yes. And um, do you want to like maybe just give out your contact information for anyone that has sure, you yeah. know, questions um, for you? I think people can learn a little bit more about me by looking at the website to learn uh, more specifically. I think I gave kind of a broad overview yeah. of um, how I can help families, but I think the website will give... Um, a little bit more details as to whether or not working with a care manager is something that um, is appropriate for you. Um, also, would like to refer people to the um, the national organization mm-hmm. that I belong to, which is um, AgingLifeCare.org. Um, so anybody that goes to that website is able to look at our profession as a whole and find a care manager in their area. So, you know, you might have... Um, you know, you might live here locally, but maybe your parent lives down in North Carolina or in Florida and need to connect with a care manager in that area. So um, if you are going to be hiring a care manager, I would highly encourage that you do one. You do so by hiring one that belongs to this professional organization, because we do follow a very strict um, code of ethics and a standard Mm -hmm. of practice, which um, you can view on the website to understand that, you know, we work very ethically and always in the best interest of the client, Um, you know, not, not accepting any, um, you know, referral fees from services or agencies that we provide to. Um, we're strictly working for the client. So it's very important to um, go to aginglifecare.org. I was going to ask you that again. Aginglifecare.org. Yep. Okay. And from there, you can click on a button that says find a care manager in my area where you um, type in a zip code yep. and you can find the credentials. You know, we have, uh, you know, brief bios in there, um, credentials on, you know, whether you're working with a nurse or a social worker, what the education level is. Um and, and then I encourage you, too, to call a few people in that area yeah. and figure out, because it is a very personal service, so you do want to make sure that you're working with someone um, that you feel like that you connect with. You know, I think we all yeah. bring a different skill set, so you want to be sure that you're working with somebody that really will meet your needs, what they are. And are you working most closely? Most- closely with the family or the person requiring care? Both. Yeah, okay. Really both. And every situation is so different. Yeah. So um, all parties need to be comfortable with that. Right. And, I, you know, I think the elder is always at the center of, and they're, they're of course, always yeah. going to be my focus. Yeah. Um, but the family really needs a lot of the support. And every situation yeah. is different. You know, sometimes uh, there is no family to be involved. You know, there is, um, they might not have ever had any children Hmm. or um, the children just aren't available to help, whether it be for, you know, they're, they're just busy um, or they don't know how to be available or they live far at a distance. Yeah. So either way. 
Um, Michael, let's get back to, I know you had a very thorough outline there. Is there anything that, that we haven't covered that you wanted to touch on regarding the book again, which is caregiver defined. You can find it on Amazon or yeah, Barnes also and Nobles. Hey, yeah. What's the website? It's on the caregiverdefined.com. Caregiverdefined.com right? also at severiopress.com. It both yeah. brings you to the site. Oh, okay. Caregiverdefined.com. You know, I think yeah. again, the book I've tried, I'd like to do a couple more because they're, they're quick and All I right. think it's uh this is your special day, Michael. Thank you. That's if you would like Thank to read you. a couple more. That's you know, obviously, and Harry, you're familiar with this, is that there are, as people age, they have memory issues. Mm-hmm. Sure. Some more serious than others. Sure. Uh, I've done a couple of things on memory. One, the, the word memory, and it's uh, illustrated with a wonderful pair of socks. And it says, the gift of memory is most precious when you become the memory for another, when you become the GPS for the tea kettle, the finder of socks in a drawer, and the keeper of pills as if they were your own. Memory becomes sacred when you remember what they cannot. And that simple act of love will will be something for which you will be forever remembered. Mm. I think it's important that I tried to cover categories and memory is yeah. a big one uh, one that I also you know wanted to give <laughs> make people feel good I wrote one called joy and I'll use that with a small J uh, and, and caregivers have a tough time and I wanted to give them a sense of that so joy is defined as the great delight or ha- great delight or happiness or bliss and the text reads, To the unaffected, joy is as big as a parade, as loud as a rock concert, as exciting as a Florida theme park. To caregivers, joy is a much smaller matter. It's that moment when the stars align and it's all good, even if only for what seems an infinitesimal amount of time. It's the great report, ca- report from the doctor that arrives the same day as a great report card from one of your kids. And to end your day on the bright note it's the stunning high def sunset that hits your windshield on your way home from another hard session of care for caregivers big joy comes in small packages and who needs a parade anyway (laughs) and i I think that sort of encapsulates uh, what i tried to do with the book which is is to reassure people that someone's listening to what they're doing uh telling them that it, it, it it is appreciated important and and to kind of find help them find their way through it emotionally yeah inspirationally if you will and that's really what this book is it's a an emotional uh inspirational book that hopefully as i mentioned earlier that casserole for caregivers that someone can give to a a friend of theirs or a family member to say here here's something that just says i'm thinking of you yeah so anyway yeah If I could just say something to that, I think, you know, those were two wonderful um, definitions. And one thing I think that uh, that reminds me of that is, um, you know, I think caregivers can get so um, wrapped up in all of the tasks that have to be completed during the day, right? There's got to be, you know, the bathing, um, the cleaning, the toileting, um, keeping one safe when moving from bed to chair, you know, there's so many things tasks. But if we can um, help caregivers to understand that what it really comes down to is how are you making that person feel, right? And if if they're maybe forgetful, but how can you connect with them on a very deep level? And how are you making them feel at that moment? Can I read one more? Yes. Does that tie into that? This is one of my favorites. Michael, can you hold one second? Because we have a caller. So we'll, we'll go to Vivian from the South Shore. Good morning, Vivian. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Good. Thank you. What can we do for you? Oh, I just wanted to say that um, I've been a caregiver uh, for my parents, and um, two things I found to be very helpful was um, going to a spa to get a massage. We were talking about, did you hear the caller yeah. earlier who was asking about, about where she can go to be rejuvenated, and that's the only thing I could yeah. think of was maybe a massage. Yep. Okay, great. Yep. So that, that helps a lot because all the stress then comes out, yeah. you know, of the neck and the back and the arms in the legs so the 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 oh. that thing really helps a lot and then the other thing um that helps is when they have a, two floors there's a stair lift um 
it's not really expensive that can take the person from the first floor to the second floor. It's uh, by Acorn Stairlift. And it's not really outrageously expensive. Most people can afford it. And um, that helps a lot because then the people don't ever have to leave their home. They can still go from floor mm-hmm. one to floor two. Mm-hmm. That's great. How long have you been a caregiver, Vivian? Uh, well, once my parents got into their 80s and they made it to their 90s, so 10 years. Wow. And, and is it your mother or your father is still living? Uh, they are not living right now. Oh, apologies. They lived, yeah, they lived the longest they could have wow. because they got the care from myself and other family members. That's what, and they were able to stay in their house. And and how was it with the family? Did you and your siblings, um, you know, sh- share the um, the caring equally? Like, what was the relationship between you and your siblings during that time? Yeah. Uh, I lived in another state, so I came oh. every weekend. Wow. And then I had one sibling that was local, and that person filled in, um, you know, during the week. And then you have, you have to talk to your parents every day, too, you know, two or three times. Yeah. So um, the telephone calls help. But then once I arrived for the weekend on Friday night... I would, you know, cook, clean, and do everything. Wow. Of course. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not a burden or anything because the person can live and the person is um, cared for. So it's much better if you, as a relative, because you know the things that they need, you know, what kind of shower they need and what kind of um, arthritis rub they need and you know exactly what they need so it's a lot easier to have somebody in the family do it and were you able to keep your parents in their home for their lifetime yes oh that's wonderful it's a lot of hard work vivian it sounds like you've done a wonderful job and i think you you raised a good point you know the work is very physical and so to take care of your own body by getting a massage and treating yourself to kind of working those muscles out i'm sure that's something that um, was very helpful for you and allowed you to continue doing that work yeah, and then also talking with your brother and sister, um, and then also being able to get in touch with the right um, medical team to you know treat their ailments, whether it's cardiovascular, arthritis, or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you have to constantly be with talking with those people to monitor the medical aspect of right. their condition. So did you have a care coordinator, Vivian, or did you you did the coordination yourself, it sounds like? My sister and I yeah. and my brother did it. Great job. Yeah, that's wonderful. Sounds like your parents are very blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to share, Vivian? Thank you so much for the call. Um, the main thing is if, you know, I had to go to work, so um, I was working, you know, is when you have somebody come in to, uh, you know, for four hours, while you're working or whatever you have to do, make sure that that person understands the medical needs of your mom or dad because when you're not here on the premise, then that person has to really emulate you and you know give them a checklist so they, they know, hand them a checklist so they have it in writing what, the, what should be done. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it, sounds, yeah. it sounds like you really um, provided some great care, um, very thoughtful, um, and that you worked very hard doing that. And so looking back on that experience, I know earlier we, t- we spoke about um, burden. Do you, would you look back on that experience and feel as though it was a burden, or do you look back and are you grateful for that experience? No, there's no burden involved at all. It's just really you're constantly trying to get the right solution for the day, you know, to make the person comfortable and to make the health care correct as best as it can be. Um, That's the challenge is, you know, getting solutions to ailments that the person has, you know, they can be complicated. If it's cardiovascular, then they're constantly um, trying to make sure the person's comfortable and can function. Right. And the same thing with arthritis, too. Fortunately, 
those were the only things that we had to deal with. Some people have to deal with um, dementia. That is a whole different um, area and realm of difficulty. Yeah. Vivian, thank you so much for the call. We have to take a break. Anything else really quickly you want to share? Uh, no, I think just um, get your... Get your um, Exercise and get your yeah definitely massage. Keep yourself physically and mentally healthy. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call, Vivian. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We're just taking a quick break. We're talking about caregiving, and we're going to be right back. We're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. This morning, I think we're educating people on um, caregiving and sort of the emotional and financial aspects um, surrounding being a caregiver, caring for someone, perhaps an aging uh, family member. Um, And we have lots of guests in studio. We've had great conversations sort of surrounding caregiving. So I'll just do intros one more time and maybe give out contact information one more time now that we have about... 20 minutes left in the show. Um, so we're talking uh, with Michael Fortuna, who authored or wrote the book, Caregiver Defined. You can find that on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or at um, caregiverdefined.com, right? Yep. Correct, yeah. Um, and it's meant to be almost like a, um, a gift-giving, a, a book for, you know, to yeah, support people giving care. and to uh, sort of let caregivers know that you're, you understand uh, that they're going through some difficult times, and this is a way to just acknowledge and honor what they do. Um, I, I'd like to read one more, which I think uh, Carrie before the break uh, sort of touches on, I think, the intimacy of caregiving between two people. And the word is hand, handkerchief, which, is, as we know, is a square of linen cotton or other fabric for wiping eyes, nose, or face. A handkerchief is a pretty basic thing. But I think it's important that you that we acknowledge the connection that you make with a person and how it's different under a caregiving situation. It's on page 65. Page All right. One. Caregiving at its most human is a shared handkerchief, one pass back and forth between the two of you with never a thought to the occasional germ. That simple piece of fabric plays such a large and varied role. Wiping mulls, drying tears, fixing the runny nose. It is the daily gauze of the caregiver, first aid for anything that gets in the way of human dignity. Something you are determined to protect and why it's wise to pack a clean handkerchief every day. And a handkerchief really is a metaphor here for having a, a proclivity to help if you will, a bias to help someone in need. And understand the opportunity that you have in such an intimate situation with dealing with someone's mm-hmm. emotions, physical. So I think it's an, it's an important idea is to carry that handkerchief every day in mm-hmm. you to know that there are people who need your help and you can, you can help them. Yes, uh-huh. I think it is incredibly intimate work that we do. Yeah. We're reaching people at a time in their lives um, that is like no other, you know, whether it be a time of crisis, maybe it's end of life care that you're helping a family um, and caregivers move, you know, from where they really don't want to be to where they need to be. And working with families um, on that is a very rewarding task, one that we often can look back on and say, um, yeah, well done. Absolutely. Well done. It's a hard road, but it's a, there's a real value at the end of it. You've you've been given so much yourself by having the opportunity to to be more human, if you will, be your most human and help someone. Mm-hmm. We touched on off air quickly about you know I'm I'm a I'm a planner by nature and by profession and and you know I we we could we'd already touched on like the the financial ways that families can prepare for this but I kind of mm-hmm. asked you Carrie. Um, you know, what can you even, is there, are there any other ways to even plan for this? And I think the, I think it's hard to plan for the specific details of what is going to, you know, come down your path. But I think to be aware, um, 
of, you know, and, and to, to be aware of what could potentially come down your path, right? And then what are some potential options that do exist? You know, you have to, again, I think it starts with looking at your finances and what would be affordable yeah. and saying, you know, if I needed to hire um, private caregivers to come into my home at an average of about $30 an hour, yeah. would I be able to do that? Um, and if the answer is no, um, what else might you be able to line up or what other resources do you have to um, have within your life? So that maybe you're preventing the need for that, you know, staying. I think for older people who are in those early planning stages, I always say to please get involved, stay involved in um, what's locally available to you, whether mm -hmm. it be through a council on aging, establish that safety net and that network of support that can be available to you so that, um, you know, when the when the crisis hits, you've got some people that you can call upon. And are you working with families um, where the aging parent is at home still, or in an assisted living, or or both. nursing home, or both? Both. Okay. Tip typically at home, um, I might help somebody transition to mm -hmm. um, a long term care, whether it be assisted living or a nursing home, um, and then still stay involved to be an advocate for them to make sure that their needs are being adequately met. Yeah. Um, but. Typically, the bigger challenges are going to be the ones um, who are home. still living at home. Yeah, where the resources are, are just different and right. perhaps not readily available other, right. other than the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so do you guys want to touch on um, you, your Facebook support group? That's sort of, um, in, is this in conjunction with the book? It was meant to be you know, it a support? It was born out of the book when, yeah. it, when Michael was working on the book and we were passing it around to people that we knew that were involved in caregiving. You know, what do you think? And yeah. getting, getting opinions. Yeah people, oh, I've got a word, oh, I've got a word. So we started thinking, you know, what word would def define your caregiving experience or your, you know, et cetera. So Michael coined the, the word vocabulary. So we started a Facebook group called Vocabulary. So it's V-O-C-A-R-E-B-U-L-A-R-Y. And the idea behind it was join the group and tell us what word defines your caregiving experience today. Today might be fabulous, tomorrow might be horrible and get sort of get caregivers talking and supporting each other. Mm. Um, it hasn't taken off because most people sort of timidly, I'm blessed. I'm, and it's like, okay, yes, you're blessed that you have your parents and you're working with your parents and you can do this job for them and with them. But start sharing. And it is a closed. It's it's a closed a, I was going to say it must be a closed it's group. A closed yeah, so yeah, people yeah. can yeah. feel to that degree, they can feel there's a freedom to speak up. But it is, some, for some people, it's very difficult to talk about what it's really like, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And if, you know, and, and somebody might find some great support realizing, God, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Because I think that that is, they're very isolated and they do feel alone. How do I find it on Facebook? When I search vocabulary, I, I get three different hits. It should, mm, oh. it should it's, it's vocabulary, um, words that define your caregiving experience. I have the whole, the whole number here. Oh, yeah, on this yeah, sheet, yeah. Okay, I just typed in vocabulary. Yeah, it should, yeah. Come, it should come up and it's, um, the uh, administrator is caregiver defined. Caregiver defined. Maybe that's what I need to search for on Facebook. Okay. I wish I could. So this I had to navigate a yes. little bit better than that. So the book itself is, you know, support for caregivers, and then you've sort of created this environment just, on social media, private, you know, group on social media where it's also meant to be a support. It just felt like you know, resource people for support. Yeah. Wanted to sort of come up with their own words, and when we were talking about the book, so it just grew from that yeah. and it would be I think it would be a good resource if a lot of people started talking with each other and sharing you know like the callers were talking about you know where can I find respite well maybe talking back and forth people would share ideas of this is what I did and it just really worked wonders yeah. for me. Yeah, and, and Carrie, you had mentioned earlier about support groups of which mm -hmm. I'm sure there are many locally, but some, sometimes it can, it's probably hard to even find time to attend a support group if, right. you know, if you're working full time and then caring for someone and not to mention your own family and, you know, so some, some sort of a, you know, electronic support group, you know, via social media where you can kind of pop in at any time. I know. think, I think too, you know, if, you know, after listening to this show, maybe, maybe you're not involved in, direct caregiving right now, but you know someone who is. Maybe yeah. there's a neighbor or a coworker, mm -hmm. and you, know, you hear their stories and you, you know, you're know you probably thinking to yourself, well, thank goodness that's not me right now. Well, it might be someday, but mm -hmm. if everybody could maybe think about who do you know in your life that is working as a caregiver now for um, whether it be a parent or even if they're working professionally and just talk to them about it, you know, o open that up and say, 
is there something I can do to help you? How can I help you? Can I give you some respite? Can I, you know, if, if it's your neighbor, say, that's um, spending a lot of time taking care of your mother, just ask, is there something that I can do? Can I fill in for you on Saturday morning or maybe spend some time with your mother? Yeah. Um, if we're all, you know, we all need to realize that we are all in this together mm-hmm. and we can all help one another Many times I think we're grateful that we're not affected by it, if, if, we're, if we're not, but um, you never know when it might be your turn, so. Yeah, Carrie, do you, and do you have any experiences to share regarding any of your clients where, you know, I, I know that this can be very hard for siblings. There can, there can be a lot of animosity amongst siblings mm-hmm. where one sibling is doing the right. bulk of the caregiving and the other ones really aren't getting involved and that can create an, an awkward dynamic in, in the family. And, you know, or can you think of any experiences where there was that, you know, Many. animosity between <laughs> siblings, and then, but but uh, but then, perhaps then you know, uh, um, ha- then hiring a care coordinator, mm-hmm. which takes the burden off, sure, you know, the family yes. in, of sorts, like you know, wh- and so you know, I think what we can do is kind of be that uh, mediator, yeah. you know, in be to to kind of serve to bring all parties as as close together as we're going to. I mean, there's there's always going to be limits, and sometimes I will say to, um, you know, the the care providers in the family that are, are trying the best and they wish maybe, you know, the brother was doing a little bit more, we're not going to change people. You know? yeah. So we just, we, we can't, but we can try to mediate. We can't make somebody do something that they're uncomfortable with, um, but we can try and we can try to educate. Um, maybe there is a task that is not so related to the direct hands-on mm-hmm. caregiving, but maybe there's something in the house that needs to be done, sure. right? Maybe there's yeah. some electrical work or some plumbing or just Or mowing the lawn kind of or task. driving mom or dad here and, and there. And in their yeah. way, in, yeah. in that person's way, that's how they can be helpful. Yeah. And everybody kind of needs to recognize that and maybe cut that person a little, little bit of slack mm-hmm. because we're, we're all coming to this from different levels of experience and different comfort levels as well. So um, trying to bring people together to work to meet all of the needs. Yeah. I think can be um, helpful. Let, let's take a, we have a caller. Let's go to um, Bernadette Faulkner, who's a, a professional uh, colleague of mine. And um, Bernadette actually is in insurance and we've worked together with oh. mutual clients to place um, some clients in long-term care insurance. So I actually, I, I, I see you got my text this morning, Bernadette. Good morning. I did. I did. Good morning. Sorry that it was like, I think it was maybe 6.15 a.m. And I was like, oh, I forgot forgot to send a message to Bernadette about maybe call in this morning because I thought you might be able to participate in the conversation as you are working with families um, to plan for uh, caregiving in potential or the potential for uh, caregiving in the future or a family member needing care in the future. So thanks for joining us. How are you? Oh, I'm very happy to be to be here with you. Good. And have you been listening for a little while like any, to our conversation? I, I have been listening on and off. I heard about 40 minutes of the show. I was at the gym driving and yeah. driving home. And I'm now actually sitting by the water. I thought this would be a nice place to chat. I pulled over to call in. Oh, okay. So I heard, I, I do know who your guests have been and, and heard a bit about the book. Caregiver defined. Um, it it sounds wonderful, amazing. I'd love to get a copy of it. Of course. And you know, heard some of the conversations and one of your callers. So the conversation this morning, I can obviously tell, is very personal. Uh, it's a different side, I think, of long term care um, than what most people talk about, unless you actually are a caregiver. Yeah. So what are the conversations that you're having? Obviously, you're working with. Um, people well in advance of them needing care themselves and they're, and they're trying to plan for it. You know, I mentioned earlier in the show that the conversations that I have with, with my clients, you know, bringing up, you know, sh- should we make a plan for, should you need care in your future? And, um, you know, pretty much everyone will say, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be a burden on my family, you know, a physical burden or a financial burden on my family. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're having those same conversations. So, you know, what are the conversations like and, and, and our, and our people as people, as more and more people have their own experience with caring for a family member, I'm hoping that that will translate to more and more people planning for themselves in advance by, by purchasing the long-term uh, care insurance. So is that, is that happening, Bernadette? And like, what are the conversations that you're having with people like? Well, I would start by saying that more than the vast majority, almost anybody that calls me and, and wants to talk about this has either 
been working with a financial advisor like you, and they have said, you know, you should at least talk to someone, find yep. out the facts. Yeah. Or as often, if not more often, people who have been caretakers have seen their parents go through a long decline, have seen neighbors, friends. It sets it sets off the alarm bells, and um, it's usually the request to talk about this doesn't come out of the blue. There's either an experience. Yeah. Or there's some professional saying, at least look at this. Yeah. Uh, because it's a tough topic. Uh, when you're in your 50s and 60s, most people are planning for other things. They're planning to retire. They may be getting, you know, family members through college, et cetera. This isn't exactly on the radar then, which is when it's best to plan. Yeah. So and there's, there's an event or there's a professional saying, at least take a look at this. Unfortunately, I think the, the statistics regarding the percentage of Americans, you know, in their 50s and 60s that have purchased long-term care, unfortunately, I think it's still a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think probably 100% of the people that have planned in advance and purchased the insurance are, are well, maybe not 100%, but the, the vast majority of them are very happy at some point that they did plan in advance and mm-hmm. and purchase the insurance. And, you know, some of the comments I hear from people are, ah, I don't want to look at that insurance because my mom had it and it didn't cover X, Y, or Z. But, you know, Bernadette, as you know, that those insurance products have come a long way in the last 40 years or 50 years since they started uh, since their inception. So, you know, I think people that had the concerns about, well, this is, this isn't going to pay for anything. I I, I don't think are quite warranted anymore. Um, But, you know, unfortunately we were talking earlier in the show, Bernadette, I don't know if you heard it, that there's just, there's a, there's a huge disconnect between the fact that people don't want to be a burden on their family and, the lack of plan, the lack of planning for it, and and a lot of that is is financial because planning for it can is a is a financial commitment as well. And you know, I keep hoping that that will that that will change because I do think that long term care insurance and in, of some size, you know, has its place in many people's uh, worlds. And uh, but unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people take that step. Um, and I keep hoping that will change. And I and I actually I think the. Bernadette, maybe you could touch on this a little bit more, but I, th- I think that the state governments are, are, are like trying to do what they can to encourage people to plan financially for, for, their, for their own care because if people don't plan on their own, then, they're, then inevitably they, they'll have to um, lean on the state Be for dependent. care and then, and then you know, the state doesn't have enough resources ever. You know, and, and so you know, I think... Um, that I, I, or I think that, and I hope that the states are going to be doing things to encourage people to purchase that insurance. So I don't know, Bernadette, can you comment on that? Um, sure. Uh, when you, when you mention the state, you're, you're obviously referring to Medicaid. Um, and yes, Medicaid's number one expense is for long-term care. Yeah. They do cover long-term care for a lot of people. Uh, but it's for people who have no assets, um, and no savings. Um, so, uh, you know, a couple of points regarding Medicaid, which is managed, you know, state to state. Every state in the, in, in the U.S., including Massachusetts, offers incentives for people to have long-term care insurance for the very reasons that you mentioned. Yep. Uh, basically, they, they will allow you to put a lot of assets aside. That's the simple explanation and protect assets if you have some insurance. So it's always... That's always a good thing to to be aware of that it's a benefit of having insurance that that doesn't occur to people. Yeah. Um, I think again to throw out somewhat random information, most seniors, meaning the majority, you know, more than half of of people going into the the years of Medicare Medicaid think Medicare is going to cover their long term care needs, and um, it, that's not accurate, and that's usually. A surprise to people, and you don't want that surprise to happen when you're in need of care. You sort of want to get educated on that now. Um, and it, a couple of other thoughts when I was when I was listening on the radio and driving. There are alternatives to straight up insurance. Um, life insurance policies can help pay for long term care. Yeah, we touched on that earlier, but I couldn't remember the name of the the policy. Acceler- oh, accelerated. Accelerated, accelerated benefit? death benefit. Accelerated death benefit. Thank you. Yeah. So you know, long-term care insurance yeah. is not the only option. Looking into life insurance, 
um, and getting an accelerated death benefit, which means that you can draw down the death benefit for long-term care, yeah. is, a, is a great idea. But again, you know, the sort of overarching theme of this, if you're really looking to insurance to help you out, is that you need to start planning that long before you need it. Yeah. You know, it's in your it's in your 50s or in your 60s at the latest, really, if you're going that route. Yeah, which can just, um, which just in reality can be so hard for people because as you mentioned earlier, they're already planning for so many other things. They might be still getting their kids through college or, or like recovering from that financially. They're trying to pull off their own retirement and get, you know, assets in place for that. And, you know, it's just, you know, to plan for one more thing sometimes is, um, it can just be daunting for people. So, but yeah, we, we touched on that earlier. Thank you. I didn't mean to interrupt. What, what else? We have a few more minutes, Bernadette. What else do you want to share? Um, I would say to that very point, um, oftentimes people come to me when they're, when they're moving out of those responsibility yep. years, when maybe if they have children, the kids are out of college and they're turning to each other or, you know, to themselves as a single person and saying, what am I going to do to take care of myself now? Yeah. That's, again, when the, 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 the balloon gets launched about this topic. Yeah. Um, I guess I would just encourage people to, on the financial end of things, you've done such a good job talking about the personal end of things from a caregiver's point of view. As, a, as you know, the person who eventually may need care and may be looking to family members to give it to them, to step back and at least have a conversation with your financial planner, with somebody about what the options are. I, you know, it, this may sound simplistic, but I do say to my, the, the folks I talk to, they don't always end up being clients. I spend a lot of time just mm -hmm. talking to people about this. Um, you know, I, I say have a plan. The plan may be that you don't, you can't afford or don't want insurance and you've figured out another way to deal with this, but at least have a plan. Uh, which means that you've had a long, maybe painful conversation and you've come out on the other side saying, if and when I need care, I, I know how I'm you know, going to approach it. And I know that the caregiver side of it, I've thought through and anyone that I'm looking to do to give care to me is aware of it and can, yeah. can make that commitment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, thank Bernadette. Thank you so much. Do you want to give out your contact information if anybody wants to reach you, Bernadette? Uh, this is, again, this is Bernadette Faulkner. She's a long-term care insurance professional. We have lots of mutual clients, and and you know, basically, when I'm having this conversation with my clients, it's you know, it's a it's a mixed mixed reaction when who who really wants to pursue the conversation and and who you know is is nodding their head at me like and maybe won't pursue it. But you know, basically, what I say is you know, at least make the phone call and and sit down or have a conversation with an insurance professional to get, um, you know, just to talk through your options. I just, I just want my clients to know what their options are in order, you know, to plan for this financially. And it's not right for everybody, but I think it's right for a lot of people. And, um, you know, so Bernadette, thank you for entertaining many of those conversations for my clients. And I know some of them do become your clients and, and some of them don't, but I appreciate that. So can you give out your contact info, Bernadette? Absolutely. I'm happy to give out my phone number and I will leave it with the station. So if someone doesn't get to that get to a pen fast enough, just call the station. You can reach me at 781-856-7694. It's Bernadette Faulkner, and I, I specialize in life and long-term care insurance. And again, I'll leave it with the station and with you, obviously, Alyssa, you have it. I do, of course. Thank you so much, Bernadette. Enjoy the rest of your day. Terrific. You too. All Take right. care. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, I'm, glad, I'm so glad she called. I wanted to get that mm -hmm. um, insurance uh, professional's uh, perspective on, on that planning mm -hmm. in advance, which we touched on certainly from a financial and in a legal perspective, you can, um, there's some planning that people can do in advance. Um, not so much from an emotional and a, like a logistical perspective right. though, in terms of the actual or medical perspective, of course. Um, so we just have a few more minutes. I'll, I'll just quickly again, um, thank my guests for being here. So we've had uh, Michael Fortuna, who was the author of um, a book that was published just recently here, um, Caregiver Defined, and they, you can go to caregiverdefined.com to order that, or it's available on Amazon. Um, also, illustrations by Peg Lee. Thank you so much. Peg is a graphic designer and a very talented artist and illustrator. Thank, um, you. thank you so much for being here and, and actually coordinating most of this. These are um, coordinating this for me today. Um, and uh, Carrie Davis with Grace Life Care. Um, I, I, and, you know, I just have a mental 
block on your title because it's changed so much. It's <laughs> aging, life aging, care professional. aging life care professional. You've probably told you me know. that five times and I didn't, I, I didn't write it down the first time. And so uh, thank you so much. Uh, Carrie owns her own business and you can find out more about her at aging. I'm sorry, gracelifecare.com. Calm. Yep. Thank and you if you so need much. to find a care manager in a, maybe another part of the country, that would be um, go to the website Thank you. aginglifecare.org and you can find um, find out more you know more about our profession and a care manager in another place. Great. Um, I have one question for you, Michael and Peg. Mm-hmm. Regarding the illustrations in the book, <laughs> did you ask, did you tell Peg what to illustrate or did Peg read the words and come up with the illustration ideas on her own? Oh, I think it was very collaborative. We yeah. A lot of back and forth. Yeah, yeah. We worked together yeah. on it. We tried, but again, we tried to make them simple. And yeah, I, and the book is simple. A few and ideas uh, struck out, that, you know, going back and forth. Yeah, we and, threw and we threw a few sketches in the but track. Peg took like, a look, um, Peg did a realistic uh, line art, very much like you'd see as a vignette in a good dictionary. Okay. So it's very the, the work is very detailed, but it's also in black and white, and it keeps it simple. That's very. So. It's very. Calming. Yeah. yeah. I tried it's to keep calming. give it warmth. Yeah, yeah get the detail that keep it warmer. Warm. Like yeah. it's 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 done in black and white and in pencil, but it's it's very warm and I think it um you know complements the 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 book well, obviously. I mean I'm sure you know that, but you know, it's just a very um it's a warm the idea of the book is very warm and yeah. um you know it's meant to be supportive and I think the illustrations, you know, kind of perfect uh, are quite perfect for that yeah. actually. So um so any closing comments? We have two minutes. We get 120 seconds to kill before the music starts playing. Anybody? Uh, well, thank you guys so much for being here. I oh, think this was a, it was a really great, great conversation. Yeah, great conversation. You know, we've done shows in the past on um, on long-term care insurance and on caregiving. We've had care coordinators. We've had elder uh, services agencies, you know, in in the past. But this was just like a totally different angle on on caregiving itself. And I very much appreciate it. As I said, I don't I don't yet have a personal experience other than raising my children with you know with with caregiving. Well, you will. I, I certainly will. I'm the only daughter of three kids, oh, and I certainly go. will. And I will, I will, I will happily do that um, for my parents. And um, but yeah, so I, but I'll, I'll I'll be very prepared for it. <laughs> so, as much Look as around I can. your neighborhood. You have an elderly neighbor that needs yeah. their their front walk shoveled or run to the yep. dump, or you know, just be a caregiver in little ways. It's yeah. a nice nice thing to do. Helps right. every. It's helps good everybody. practice for when you need to do it full time. Absolutely, someday. absolutely. Uh, any closing comments? Oh, there's the music. No. All right. So you can find Caregiver Defined at caregiverdefined.com or you can order it on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. You can find uh, Carrie Davis, uh, care coordinator and aging life professional. Oh, sort of right. Yes. Good <laughs> aging enough. life care professional at um, gracelifecare.com. Gracelifecare.com. And Peg Lee, do you want to give out contact information for anyone that needs illustrations? Or just um, I, you can email me at peg.lee at comcast.net. Perfect. Yeah. Very talented uh, artist and illustrator. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. Thanks so much for tuning in this morning. And everyone have a great weekend. Bye-bye.